Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. 2,000 years to be exact. Anyway, someone asked me the other day, I don't know who it was, is, is the God of the New Testament, like Christianity, is he the same God of the Old Testament? It's a good question to ask. However, I'm not going to answer that right now because um, we're looking at this passage. And uh, Revelation 22, verse 17, what does it say? It says this, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Can we do that? This is our message today. This is the Bible's last invitation. So the Bible's a big book, isn't it? Anyone ever try to read it from cover to cover? It takes a long time. And I would encourage you to do that. Why? Because you'll be blessed. That's why. And that is good reason to read the Bible. Read it from cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation. I've read it a few times. And it's good to take time in your day to read a bit of scripture. Whether it's just one verse or ten verses or a chapter. If you do it, God will speak to you. Isn't that nice? Who wants God to speak to them? Well done, Karen. When, if you love someone, you want them to say something to you, don't you? When they don't, you feel a bit, you think they don't love you. Is that right? God loves us. And God wants us to communicate with him. And that's what he wants us to do anyway. Let's look at this passage of scripture. Here is the last bit of the Bible. It's the last chapter. And what God is doing is inviting us to come to him. I like that. I mean, come on. Have you ever been invited to a party? Yeah? Everybody gets an invite somewhere, whether it's to the dentist, whether it's, which is something we reluctantly like to do, but you get an invitation to get, you know, maybe you might want a blood test or the, the doctor says you've got to go and get one. So you get an invitation to go get your blood taken. I don't like it. You know, it's like uh, painful and uh, I get scared of it sometimes. But anyway, we get invites to do things and um, God invites you to come to him. Recently, I got the opportunity to go to a dinner party down at the Opus restaurant. You heard of Opus restaurant? Very nice. Very, very nice. Rhea and Ramel, they had a celebration and they invited me and I like that sort of thing. If you are having a dinner party... You just invite me. You don't have to invite everybody else. 
I'll eat the food for you. When you go to listen to a sermon, right, whether it's here or somewhere else, you notice something. The preacher, he likes to invite people to respond to what he's saying, if he's talking sense. You, you like him to invite you to, to a deeper commitment with Jesus, something like that as an example, you know. Or you, you might go to a, hear a sermon where the preacher is like an evangelist and he's, he's challenging you to get saved. You understand me as an example? Or you, you might meet in the service, you might get someone who is a Christian, but they're backslidden and they've gone and done all sorts of dodgy things, even though they gave their heart to Jesus like, 20 years ago or something like that and the preacher might want to reclaim them back to Jesus so that they have a new new relationship with him um, or he might even people get burdened people get stressed out people get run down just through one, a week because of I don't know, they've got a tax bill for 10 grand. I mean, that's enough to stress anybody out, right? But people get burdened, and the preacher might be wanting to lift a burden off your shoulders. You know what I'm saying, right? You know that saying that Jesus said, Come unto me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. Jesus himself is inviting people to come to him. Today, though, let's consider this last invitation, all right? And I want you to understand this. Here is a book that is talking about prophecy, about things that are going to happen, some serious things, like, you know, like God's going to pour out. God's not happy with what he sees on the earth. He's not happy with when he sees Vladimir Putin throwing a load of rockets over to Ukraine. Do you think God's happy with that? No, he's not. Do you think God's happy with the British selling guns and whatnot to the, the to the Saudis that are killing all the 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 people in the foreign, next country? God is not happy with a lot of things that take place. So it says in this book that He's going to pour out the the wrath of His 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 like like how can I say? There are angels that have got bowls of like some sort of curse and they're going to pour it out upon the earth. There are like seven bowls of, of like God's wrath because God's not happy with what he sees people do. And so he does these things to try and get people to come and say, Lord, we're sorry, can we make peace again? You understand me? So there's all this stuff in this book but at the end of it, God is saying, come. The Spirit is saying, come. Are you going to come? If God is saying, come, what are you going to do about it? Just yeah, thank you, Liam. Thank you very much. And the Bible is full of invitations. You know, like in Noah's day, back in the day, which is like maybe five, 6,000 years ago, God said to Noah, after he built the ark, this great big boat, and, and he said to him, come, you and all your family come into the ark. It's an invitation. And then it flooded, 
the family were saved, etc. The Bible, did you know that the Bible has actually got about 2,000 invitations in the whole of the Bible? Incredible. God is speaking to planet Earth. And God is speaking to people. And God is saying, come. As I said, Jesus said, come unto me. That's just one example. And Noah, come into the ark. And we could talk all morning just about those invitations, but we're going to move on. So my first heading is God's greatest burden. His greatest burden is about people coming to him. Because people are obstinate. People are ignorant. People don't care. People just want to have fun. That's what Cheryl Crow sang, didn't it? All I want to do is have some fun. I've got the feeling I'm not the only one. Is that what she said? That's what people are like. They just want to have a bit of fun. And they don't care about anyone else. This is the truth. This is what people are like. Thank you, Liam. Anyway, God, the Spirit, here it says here, look. Verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. So the Spirit is the Spirit of God. So you know you heard of the Holy Spirit, everybody. He says, come. The Holy Spirit invites people to salvation today. That's what he does. And do you know what he does after that? When he brings people and draws them to himself? What he does, this might feel a bit uncomfortable, is that he, the Holy Spirit, he convicts people of sin. Because that's what we are. At the end of the day, we are born sinners by nature. Nobody taught me how to tell lies when I was a little boy. It probably never taught you how to tell a lie, you know. Nobody taught me how to steal. Or um, not to swear. All right, and, and swearing as well, Liam. So we're born sinners, and the Lord wants to save us. And when the how did you know? When God saves us and he starts to convict us, we tend to cry out to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry what I've done wrong. I'm sorry that I robbed the bank. The bank ain't got no money to give other people money back. Or I'm sorry that I, I've been stabbing this person in the back, speaking about them, saying sort of all kinds of wicked things about them. People do these sort of things. When we confess this, when we're like Don was talking about forgiveness, when we confess our sins, he comforts us. That's what he does. When you love someone and you're down or you feel bad about something, they put their arm around you, don't they? And they say, all right, oh, don't worry, it'll get better. You know, you do that, don't you? We're not that mean that we don't do things like that, are we? Anyway, God, the Holy Spirit is a comforter and he comforts us when we acknowledge that we've done something wrong. He convicts us and... He also empowers us. 
he gives us the spirit of boldness and the spirit of strength to overcome difficulties. And I'm going to tell you this. God's work, and it is work, when you go out to evangelise and invite people to come to him, to church, get to know Jesus, it's work. This is God's greatest burden. He struggles. God struggles with people because people don't really want to come. And I said, they just want to go and have some fun. They, can't, they haven't got time for God. They haven't got time for God until they fall flat on their face, they fall down in the dumps, and life is mean, life is hard, and they're feeling sorry for themselves, and they cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. Is that true? Yeah. It is true, because that's what I've done. When the going got tough, and I couldn't handle it, and it was all going against me, I found out that Jesus loved me. And I was very pleased to find that out. And I said, Lord, if you love me, help me. And I said to him, this is the truth, Lord, thanks for my life. I've made a mess of it. Can you help me out? Isn't that something you might have said? Thank you. Thank you for being honest. But can I tell you something? This is, this is true. It's harder for God. Now, the, the, in the beginning, if I go back to the beginning, check this out. The first verse in the Bible, it says this. Look, look at it. In the beginning, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. Am I telling the right thing? Am I saying the truth? You've read the first verse of the Bible. Shall I tell you something? It's, this is easier for God to make the heavens and to make the earth than it is to get somebody to come to him. Can you believe it? Amen. Do you hear what I just said? It's easy for God to create all the heavens, Jupiter, Uranus, Mars and the, the galaxies, and there are multi-millions of them, and planet earth, and make the trees and the clouds. It's easy for him to do all of that than to get somebody to have a change of heart and to say, Jesus is Lord. Isn't that incredible? You'd think it's easy to do things like that. If it was easy, we'd be full up. Wouldn't we? This place would be full and every other church would be full up. It's not easy, people. And I'll say this to you. It's easier for God to maintain the universe and the planet Earth. The tide goes in, the tide goes out. The tide goes in, the tide goes out. The sun rises, the sun sets. The sun rises, the sun... It's easier to maintain that than to bring a sinner to his knees. It's incredible. And when he got the moon. And the moon, I forgot the moon, thank you very much. It's easier for God to control the nations. America over there, Russia over there, Australia down there. 
It's easier for God to control what the nations are doing than to bring a sinner to his knees. It's, it blows my mind. And this really is God's burden that the Bible says, come on. The Spirit says, come. But people don't come. And I went down the town with Dominic and Liam and Janet and I was talking and people are looking oh look, he's talking about Jesus. Oh let's go and buy our coconuts and vegetables darling. People, are, their mind is not on Jesus. It's on buying their, their Lionel Blairs, their, their flashy trousers or their nice shirts. People want to buy their big screens. Thank you, Liam. God persists with us. Why does he do that? Oh, come on, Karen. We've got an evangelist at the back of the church. Because he loves us, he persists with us. I don't know what it is about me and, and my wife or, or you. God loves us. Thank you, Liam. My second heading is this. Do you know it is the church's greatest business to invite people to Jesus? That is our greatest business. And we don't do it. But in here it says, look at this, verse 17 back in Revelation, it says, and the Spirit... And the bride say, come. Who's the bride? Anybody know? It's the church. The bride is the bride of Christ. And that's what we are. We are, I mean, it's a hard thing to get your head around it. I'm a man. I'm a man's man. And I like a, another man who's a man's man, Right? Uh, it's a difficult thing that, to think that a man is a bride, but we are, we are the bride of Christ. And what it means is that when we meet him, we're going to be united with him as one. The church is an inviting church. When somebody, what we should be doing is inviting people to come to church. When's the last time you might have done that? the greatest responsibility of the church is to invite someone else to church Jim Ward said to me and he said it on numerous occasions Johnny G he said if you're going to go to heaven the best thing you can do is take someone else with you and that's what we want to do we want to go to heaven do you want other people to come with you Invite them. Yes. yes. Please. So when you go to the heaven, you go to the earth. Thank you. I'm sad to say that some of us, this is true, some of us are a real turn-off. We're a real turn-off to outsiders. Some people might be wanting to get to know Jesus, but we offend them. We upset them. They don't come back. And that breaks your heart. It breaks God's heart. 
And God wants someone to come to know him and get to know him. And we just say, oh, clear off. I don't like the look of you. That's not nice, is it? You go to a church to get something to eat and they send you to the church next door. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Do you know the church, we get busy. We get so busy, we don't know what our right hand knows what our left hand is doing. And the left hand don't know what the right hand is doing. We get busy doing other things. And guess who likes that? The devil likes that. He thinks, oh, look at that lot. Look at them silly Christians. They're running around like headless chickens. Ha, 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 ha. He's happy for us to do that. Why? Because we're not inviting people. We're not accommodating people. Some churches, I'm going to be critical, if you don't mind, they focus on performing religious ceremonies. Am I allowed to do that, Amen? They want bells, smells, incense, and nonsense. That's what they want. Does God want that? No. no, no, no. He wants us to be real. We are what we are. In the Old Testament, this is the truth. If you go to the Old Testament before Christianity, before we had church, you had what they had the synagogue, right? You had the Jewish people, the Hebrews. And they used to sacrifice animals. We're just breaking bread and having a fruit of the vine. They used to sacrifice the lamb and pour the blood onto a sinner to say, now you're clean. You know what I'm saying? That was all what we call religious ceremony. And it happened in the Old Testament. Not in the New Testament. We just have a little bit of bread and a bit of fruit of the vine. That's enough for God. That's enough for me. We don't have to overcomplicate it, but some churches do. Do you get what I'm saying? Thank you very much. Some churches got to have a conference. Oh, let's have a conference about Sunday service. Yeah? Well, what do you think about Sunday service this morning when Rachel came up here and took the fruit of the vine and started handing it around? Well, let's have a conference about that, shall we? A woman has never done that before in this church. But God bless you for it, all right? <laughs> but Liam, hold on, bruv. Hold on, Liam. Okay? People want to do, have a conference and they want to do stuff, they want to do a project because it wastes a lot of time. And the most important function is that we should be inviting people to the Lord Jesus. And that is what he wants us to do. That's what he said. Be Before he went to heaven, what was the last words that came out of his mouth? Anybody know? No, that's when he was on the cross, Paul. Before he went to heaven, he said, go into all the nations and teach them about me and do this and reach out to people to observe everything that I've been telling you. And he wanted us to be a church 
a body that was inviting people to know Jesus Christ. So then it also goes on to say, verse 17, And let him who hears say, Come. Now, what does that mean? I tell someone, do you know that God loved you? Right? John 3, 16, for example. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So someone hears that, right? And they say, yeah, yeah, I understand. Not perish, have everlasting life. I think I'll go and tell that to someone else. So I tell someone, that someone tells someone else, and that someone else tells someone else. Because they all believe, they all don't want to perish, they want to have eternal life. So it says, let him that heareth, let him say, come and become converted to Jesus. Let me move on. My next point is this. Okay, thank you, Liam. Mankind's, third point, mankind's greatest blessing. And let him, it says here, and let him who is a thirst come. It says it in the verse. Let him who thirsts come. Are you a thirsty person today? Do you thirst and hunger after truth? Because when I think about the world, when I look around, when I watch what's on YouTube, when I watch what's on the telly, when I, when I look at things, people are thirsting for reality. They're thirsting for truth. They don't want to be conned. They don't want to be... I feel like I've been conned. I said to Rachel this morning, you know, I heard a story. Somebody, Bob, somebody has had four jabs, four COVID vaccine jabs, and then they still got COVID. Yeah. Hey? Eh? Yeah. What's going on? Is someone pulling the wool over our eyes? Mayette had three jabs. She had two, I've had two, and then she had to have a booster because her boss told her to get the booster. So she had the booster. Two weeks later, what happened? She got COVID. I got hot under the collar. And then I got COVID. But then when I hear someone got four jabs and they still, oh, come on. Listen, I don't like being conned. And nor do you. Do you? So in my heart, this is what I'm trying to talk about. In my heart, I'm thirsting after reality and understanding and common sense. Yes? Aren't you? And this is what the Bible is talking about. If you thirst for truth, not to be deceived, come to the Lord. There was a woman, John chapter 4, John's Gospel, chapter 4, talks about the lady at the well. Now, I, I could read it, but I'm not going to read it because of time. It's a long chapter. Now, she's at a well. She's got a water pot. She goes to the well, and in them days, it was hard work to get the water out the well and take it back home again. You didn't have it in the tap, like we got all my cons. 
Anybody not got any hot and cold water running through their flat or house today? Eh? Well, she had to get her water pot, put it on her head and walk to the well like that. That's how they did it. And guess what? This lady, she did it in the heat of the day. Now, when you're in Israel, Dominic will tell us, he'd been to Israel six weeks ago, in the middle of the day, it's hot. 40 centigrade. This woman, in John's Gospel, chapter 4, she went to the well in the heat of the day. Do you know why? Exactly, Bob. Why did she want to avoid the other women? They did not like her. Why did they not like her, Bob? She'd been about a bit, hadn't she? That's the basic. She'd been about. Why do we know that? Because Jesus told her, you've got four husbands, five husbands you've had, haven't you? And he said, and the bloke you're with now ain't your husband, is she? Is he? She said, you're right, you must be a prophet. So we know what sort of woman she was. If you knew everything about me, you'd know what sort of man I was until I married Mayette. I'm sorry to tell you that, but we've all been about a bit, some of us. Maybe not all of us. Sorry, Marjorie. I've been a naughty boy at times in the past. Okay? So, I, you know, like this woman, I've done some naughty things. She, what I'm trying to say is, if a lady or a man can't find one person to be their lover for the whole of their life, something's wrong. Because God made us to have a, a husband or a wife. And that person was to satisfy us and all our needs, right? But she weren't satisfied. One man weren't enough. Maybe he weren't tall enough. Maybe he was too tall and he weren't small enough. I don't know. He wasn't satisfying her. So she went and looked for husband number two. And guess what? He didn't satisfy her either. So she went looking for husband number three. Then four. Then four. How many she want? <laughs> well, I don't know. How many to make you happy? Anyway, what I'm saying, what the Bible's saying, no one could make her happy. No one could satisfy her deepest inner need. Do you understand me? You know, out of five blokes, you would have thought you'd get one would have been the right one, but it wasn't enough. So when she met Jesus, he was everything. She dropped her water pot. She ran to the village. She said to the village, the people that didn't want to know her, the people that didn't let her go to the well at the same time as them, they went in the cool of the day, either in the morning or in the evening, when it wasn't so hot, and you could carry five gallon of water on your head back to the village. She dropped her water pot, and she said, listen, listen to this man I met, Jesus. He's told me everything i ever done. He must be the Messiah. And he told me that, the water, the, the, the well came up from the well. He would give me something that would satisfy my inner need. And when the people in the village heard that, they thought, that's what we want. 
We want reality. We want to know the truth. We want to have a spiritual understanding. We come and and when she came back, she brought the whole village with her. That's what God wants every one of us to do. To hear the message of salvation. To taste of the water of life that Jesus offers and share it with other people. Can you do that? Even if you do. Look at us. How many is here? 20 people, right? If we all did it to just one person, there'd be twice as much as us next week. Wouldn't there, Bob? The maths is easy. One and one make two. (laughs) The Lord wants to bless you and the Lord wants us to cry out to him. That lady, she brought the whole village back to Jesus. He wants to quench our thirst. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. People... Some people, they live on the water, they live on the sea, right? They're fishermen, right? They throw out their net, they catch the fish, they go back home, they feed the family. Some people have got lost at sea, right? They've got lost at sea with their fishing net and they've drifted through the Gulf Stream current going up through the Atlantic Ocean and they've never been seen again. Shall I tell you a story? There was a boat that went, I don't know, South America, Mexico way, something like that. It had about five men in it fishing. You know what happened? The wind, the, the waves took them out to sea. And three of them died. They'd gone overboard. They had enough. They couldn't cope. They went mad. Do you know what? They went mad. Should I tell you why? They started getting thirsty. The moon, the sun is up in the sky, just baking them in the boat, baking and baking and baking. Oh, they've got a suntan, man. They're sweating. They're dehydrating. They're thirsty. You know what they started doing? Drinking the seawater. The worst mistake they could have done. Do you know why? Well, thank you, Dominic. We've got some very clever people here. It makes you what, Paul? You've got salt in it, right? And and it makes you drink more and more. You've got a whole Atlantic Ocean and you're thirsty and they're drinking it and they're drinking it and they're drinking it. Guess what happened next? They've gone mad. They lost their marbles. Because of the impurities in that salt water, it made them go mad. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, Liam. They've gone bonkers and they've ended up jumping overboard. And the sharks at them. That's a sad story. You come here like me, lighting your load this morning, isn't it? What I'm saying, the other one, there were two more in the boat, right? The other two. They dehydrated one of them. He also got mad. Still in the boat. And one of them just managed to keep himself together. Why am I telling you this story? Shall I tell you? The world 
around us is trying to satisfy people. People are drinking from the well of this world. Oh, Britain's got talent. I've got to watch Britain's got talent. Yeah, I've got to watch the sewing bee. Yeah, I've got to watch Coronation Street. Yeah, they still have that on the telly. Oh, they've got to watch EastEnders as well. I forgot about that. And you've got Emmerdale. Emmerdale. Oh, well, we've got to watch Emmerdale. I'm telling you, people are drinking and drinking contaminated water. And what it's doing to them is making them go mad. They need a pill for this, a pill for that, and a pill for the other. They've gone bonkers. They need Jesus. Jesus is offering us the water of life. Come back when you're ready. He's offering us the water of life. Paul, show. Dom's going to do it. Anyway, I diverted a bit. But God wants to give us something that's pure and holy. And he's saying, come, drink from the waters of the wells of salvation. And I will give you your marbles back. I will give you something that is real, something that is true, something that will last forever. But people don't want it. They want your Coronation Street and your EastEnders and they want all of that and they're willing to go mad for it. Listen, if you're thirsty for truth, come to Jesus. Come to the truth. You can be any age, Bob. You can be like little Mia. You can come from any race. I don't mind. The Lord doesn't mind either. And whatever your sins in your closet, you can still come. You can be a bank robber. You can be a murderer. You can be a shoplifter. Just come. There were three people that were murderers in the Bible. One was Moses. One was David. And one was the Apostle Paul. And you would have said, if they came to church, they would have said, oh, no, I can't, I can't go to church. I'd be a hypocrite. I've murdered people. Jesus says, come. I don't care who you kill. There was a bloke that went to a Christian commune in Northampton, right? They put him up. He was homeless. He didn't have nowhere to go. They said, come, we'll put you up. We'll look after you. And he went to their Christian meeting and he was so convicted over the service. You know what he said? I murdered someone. And they said, pardon me? He said, I've murdered someone. You know, what are you going to do about that? You're going to kick me out? They said, no, we're not. We're not going to do that, but... If you murdered someone, you need to talk to someone about it. Maybe go to the police and tell them. Don't just tell us. So he went to the police and told them, I'm a murderer. And they arrested him. And they locked him up in prison. Well, he committed a murder. And he started reading the Bible while he was in the prison because he was doing it with this Christian group. And they taught him how to be a Christian. And guess what? When he was in the prison... Guess what he did? He was preaching the Bible to all the other prisoners in the Mount prison. He was doing a sermon in the Mount. 
that's a joke there somewhere anyway, but don't worry. Whatever your social position, financial position, if you feel thirsty, then come to Jesus. You know, a man in the news this week, I don't know if you noticed, there was a bloke, he went shopping at a supermarket and he had a cat on his shoulder. Has anyone heard about that story? Sainsbury's, they kicked him out. I said, sorry, sir, we don't want you in here with your cat on your shoulder. Well, I'm going to say to you today, if you come here next week and you've got a cat on your shoulder, you are welcome. All right? <laughs> Bring your doggy. <laughs> Let me move on and we'll get finished, all right? So the last point is this. Life's greatest bargain. Do you like a bargain? You know, Black Friday and all of that lot. You've heard of Black Friday? People go mad because they want a bargain. They want to go down to the shops or they do it on the internet. They see a 100-inch telly. That's probably the size of that over there, right? That square. And they, they want it for 50 quid. £2,000 TV. They go bonkers for it. If you want a bargain, take of the water of life freely. Freely. Hey? You mean it doesn't cost me 50 quid? Hey? Or 100 quid? Jesus is saying, come and I will give you the water of life for nothing. You just got to come. Who would turn their nose up at eternal life? Who would turn their nose up of putting their life in the hands of the Redeemer who can reconcile you to God? Who can stop you going to hell? Who would turn their nose up at that? Not me. What about you? Hey, come. Taste of the water of life freely. Why? Because he has paid the price for our sins on the cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross. He lived a holy life for 30 years in purity. He never, ever sinned. He never lied. He never stole. He never stabbed no one in the back. He's paid the price by spilling his blood. Who could turn their nose up at that? Who could scoff at that? We read Isaiah 55. And Isaiah says, Home, didn't he? Come to the waters and drink. That's what he says. I read it earlier. 55. Ho, everyone that thirsts. What are you thirsting after? Come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come on. Then he says this, why do you spend money for what is not bread? You, go, you get your money, right? I mean, I'm skint today, right? I forgot to get some money out, right? But people go out. People have got their money and they want to spend and enjoy themselves and whatever, eat to their heart's content. 
But God is saying, don't forget me. Come, take from the water of life freely. What would you do? Would you ignore the word of God? Would you ignore the voice of the Lord Jesus? I can't. Today, as we close, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. What are you going to do? Will you come to the water of life? And would you freely drink God's living water? Or would you turn your nose up at it? Would you say, John, I can't, I don't want to, I've got other things to do, I've got, I'm going to go rob a bank, I'm going to go find, I don't know, a, a bunch of gangsters and get involved in drugs and stuff like that. What would you put before Jesus? Nothing else is worth it. If you could offer me all the gold in the world, do you think I want it? I like Daniel. When that night, when Belshazzar's life was hung in the balance. Do you know that story? What a story. And they were having a party. They were drinking. They were getting drunk. And they used the holy vessels from the temple as if to really wind God up. And do you know what happened that night? A finger appeared, didn't it? A hand. And it wrote words on the wall. Do you remember that story? His life was found hanging in the balance. Nobody could read the writing. And someone said, there is a prophet here. There is a holy man of God called Daniel. He could read that. Daniel could interpret dreams. Very clever. Only the spirit of God could reveal it to him. And not only could he reveal a dream, Nebuchadnezzar the king had a dream and he told his wise men what was the dream. Didn't say He didn't say what the dream was, he said what was it? So that the person who would know his dream could interpret it. Only Daniel could do it. And Belshazzar said to Daniel, we give you we will make you the second most important person in the kingdom. We'll give you gold. We'll give you gems. We'll give you everything. And what did Daniel say? Keep your gifts for yourself. I would rather have Jesus than all the gold in the world. You know, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? We want to be rich. We want to be wealthy. We want money. Money, money, that's what we want, isn't it? Our heart craves for it. God wants us to have him. If a man has the spirit of God in his heart, he's rich. He's rich beyond measure. Jesus wasn't worried about having property, having mansions, having fishing business. Turning, he turned water into wine. He could have been the richest wine merchant in the world. Huh? He, he took a few loaves and a few fishes and he fed 5,000 people. He could have had a massive restaurant business, couldn't he? But yet he was poor. 
He had nowhere to lay his head. Birds have nests, foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Would you follow him? Would you hear his words? If we have his words in our heart, if we have the wisdom of God, then we are rich. It says it is more precious than gold just to have the word of the Lord. And that's what we do. Amen. Thank you, Liam. Let's close there. It's one o'clock. Father, we come before you. We thank you. We bless you. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said that whoever is thirsty, let him come. Let him taste of the water of life freely. Lord, we come to you today. We're thirsting for you. We're hungry for you. The the, the razzmatazz of this world does not want, I don't want it, Lord. I'm not interested. I want you. I want to know you. And I pray for everybody here this morning. I thank you for everyone being patient with me to, to share this word. But I pray for each of us that we would have that same desire, that same hunger and thirst after you. Lord, bless everybody today. Meet everybody where they're at. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.